Show Me The Science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my Show Me The Science podcast. Uh, this week, malaria, you know, now obviously I'm um, an immunologist and I often cover these, these topics, but this one is a really important one actually because malaria is a really devastating disease, as I'll explain. But there's two big pieces of news this week about malaria and as you know, I try to keep it up to speed on all the latest developments. The first big piece of news is Belize in South America has been declared malaria-free, a huge achievement from Belize. They've got rid of all the malaria, which is a fantastic uh, piece of news. The second piece of news is, that's a bit more worrying, is in America, they've just reported in Florida and Texas the spread of malaria coming from within North America. In other words, it hasn't been imported from someone who went on holiday, say, to a country with malaria. Instead, the malaria is now spreading again in the US. Now, why would that be? A big reason is climate change, because mosquitoes, as I guess everybody listening will know already, spread malaria. And the range of the mosquitoes is changing because of global warming, because of temperature going up. Mosquitoes love warm climates. And now it looks as if these mosquitoes are breeding more and more now in places where they wouldn't normally breed. So again, that's a concern. Are we going to see a rise in malaria now in countries where there's no malaria at the moment because of global warming? So there, there are two pieces of news about malaria, and I'm going to go into them in a little bit more detail. Uh, the other thing I want to tell you about, of course, is, and this, this has been around for a few months now, there's a vaccine against malaria. And that's good news, obviously, as a way to prevent So let's look at this a bit more closely. Let's start with the Belize story again. Now, Belize has 400,000 people as a population, so it's not very big. They've spent 70 years trying to eliminate malaria from Belize. Now, remember, malaria can be a very, very damaging disease. It kills, now the numbers again vary from year to year, but it kills, you know, around about half a million people some, some years it's even higher in the world die of malaria every year and they're often children so in other words if we had a way to stop malaria that would be tremendous you know and obviously countries have been trying to get rid of it for a long time using various measures and Belize seems to have cracked it now how's, how's Belize managed to do it well first of all public health has been extremely important there they trained lots of healthcare workers to keep an eye on it to see if malaria breaks out somewhere and then to give people anti-malarials if they've got malaria there are drugs that can, can limit it, of course. The famous chloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine, can be used to help kill the malaria parasite. There's other drugs as well. So you can deploy those drugs. Secondly, you can use these nets and you can impregnate the nets with uh, insecticides to kill off the mosquitoes, basically. And they would install these nets in places where there's malaria and then the mosquitoes just die because they hit off the nets and they die. They were able to deploy those very carefully, which is a great uh, thing to try as well. And that was a very important add-on too. And then, of course, minding people with malaria to stop it spreading in various ways was, it was another aspect of this, I guess. So public health measures were used uh, to get rid of malaria from Belize. And it joins 41 other countries now which have been able to announce the elimination of malaria. Paraguay, Argentina are recent ones as well. So from those countries now, they're now malaria-free. The WHO has declared them malaria-free. So it's a big success story, you know. And in fact, um, in, in, in Belize, it's fascinating to look at the numbers. Uh, through public health, they were able to show this. So back in 1994... There were 10,000 cases of malaria reported. And through all these efforts, you get to the year uh, 2019, and there were zero cases in 2019. And that persisted for a few years, hence the declaration that they're now malaria-free. And again, it was all this fantastic public health measures and surveillance allowed this to happen. And wouldn't it be great now if every country became malaria-free? It's much more difficult. Africa is the big challenge. Uh, At least 90% plus of all the cases of malaria in the world are in African countries. But of course, those African countries are looking at 
believes. They go, wow, can we try and repeat that? Now, you need heavy investment. You need lots of healthcare workers to, to track it, you know, and keep an eye on it. And that could, that's going to be difficult in some African countries. But still, Belize has led the way to say that this indeed might be possible. Now, a little bit of what malaria is, because obviously we are scientists and we want to know the scientific basis for these things. Mosquitoes spread it, but guess what? It's a parasite. The parasite is called Plasmodium falciparum that lives inside the mosquito and the mosquito bites you, takes a blood meal from you as it's sucking your blood, a horrible thought of course, it injects the parasite into your bloodstream and now it's in your body. And in fact, the life cycle of malaria is partly in mosquitoes and partly in us humans. It's a true parasite. It has to live some of the time in humans, some of the time is in mosquitoes. And when it's in your body, it can do a huge amount of harm. Now, there's two stages overall in humans. It spends some of the time living in your liver and some of the time in red blood cells in your blood kind of oscillates between the two, I guess. And when, when, when you're bitten by a mosquito, that will take in some of your blood and some of that blood in the red blood cells will have some of the malaria parasite. And now it's living inside the mosquito. And that's the, that's the complex life cycle of this particular disease. And again, a huge amount of triumph of science, really, to uncover all this, that it spends some of the time in mosquitoes and some of the time in humans. And that life cycle has been mapped really, really carefully. And the, the malaria, uh, the plasmodium itself has different stages. And of course, parasitology is a fascinating branch of immunology actually and I know lots of parasitologists who work on these aspects uh, in fact Porik Fallon one of my great uh, colleagues in Trinity has worked on parasitic infections for a long time you know? so it's a big area for, for immunology anyway and that life cycle has been mapped very very sort of closely now we know an awful lot about it now if you get malaria then what are the symptoms it starts off with flu-like symptoms then you get aches and pains all over your body. And as it progresses, it gets worse and worse. Severe vomiting, severe diarrhea. You get anemia because obviously it's targeting the red blood cells. And they carry oxygen around your body. They, they start getting damaged by malaria. And then kidney failure can happen. Seizures in the brain once the parasite eventually gets to your brain. And then sadly, as I say, this will kill you. And remember... There are a lot of deaths, as I say, half a million plus a year people die of malaria. Now, sadly, it's mainly children. And the reason for that is, guess what? Their immune systems aren't able to fight the parasite. Now, remember, a lot of people survive malaria and go on to live healthy lives. It can recur from time to time, and some of the symptoms can come back, as anybody with malaria will tell you. But overall, most people can, can mount a proper immune response. In fact, in many ways, our immune system evolved to fight parasites as well as bacteria and viruses. That's what makes the immune system so fascinating. Uh, but usually your immune system can deal with it. And then we'll have memory, as, as I've often mentioned before, uh, the, the immune system remembers. And if you get reinfected, then you can you can fight it even better next time. You know, and that happens in most people. But again, a, a significant number of people will sadly become really, really sick and especially children. So hence the desperate need to handle this particular disease, you know. And of course, one way out of it is vaccination, as I'll explain in a minute. So all those symptoms will emerge, um, different degrees of severity. Of course, older people or people with weakened immune systems, they can succumb as well. Malnourishment, is a huge factor here because if you, if you you know your immune system needs food like every other part of your body and people are malnourished they can succumb to malaria as well and that's why we see it in developing countries often because there's there's hunger there you know there's malnourishment and that, that's a factor in this as well iron turns out to be important in your diet to help you fight this thing too so and that might counter some of the anemia for instance so all those factors combine and that gives rise to this death toll that we see all around the world you know in, in these countries that have malaria in them and so therefore to eliminate it from Belize means a lot less suffering and a lot less death now the numbers at the moment anyway I'll give them to you again in 2021 
over 600,000 people died, again, mainly children of malaria. But there were over 240 million cases. And remember, that gives rise to sickness, people are out of work, and especially in developing countries, that presents a big burden on any country to have people who are sick with malaria because, you know, they're, they're out of work and, you know, they're, they're suffering in various kinds of ways. There's pressure on the healthcare system. So again, it's not just about death, it's also about illness. That's what counts here. Hence the huge effort to try and eliminate this disease. Now, will public health measures achieve it? Well, Belize managed to do it. But as I say, a lot of investment there, a lot of effort went into it. It's unlikely to work in African countries where maybe the healthcare system isn't as well developed. You need an awful lot of healthcare workers to help monitor this. Now, they are using things like nets and it is decreasing the incidence, of course. But again, the notion of eliminating it through public health alone, it may happen, but it seems a bit unlikely. Now, the real way out then will be vaccines. For decades, they've been trying to make a vaccine against malaria. Failure after failure after failure. Uh, now, as you people listening will know, hopefully from my previous podcast, how do vaccines work? You take a piece of the germ or the whole germ itself uh, and you inactivate it and use that as your vaccine. And the trouble is, there's all these different stages of the malaria parasite. It's hard to know which part to pick that might cause a strong enough immune response uh, that will give you a, a memory response if, you, if you're infected. So it's been very difficult for all kinds of reasons to get a malaria vaccine. But guess what? The drug company GSK have managed to do that. And I've worked with GSK over the years. In fact, I, I advised them on some aspects of this, as I'll explain in a minute. Not, not directly on this vaccine, but part of their immunology program, which kind of informed uh, the overall effort to get the vaccine. So they got the vaccine, it's called Muscarix. It's called RTSS for short. They took a piece of the malaria life cycle, the parasite, called the circumsporozoite stage. They took that part, they mixed it up with a thing called monophosphorylipid A and something else, else called QS21. These two things are called adjuvants. Now, adjuvants are needed as an add-on to vaccines to try and get the vaccine to work. And that magical combination, they managed to get it to work. And in their trials, they could decrease the cases by 40%. And hospitalizations by 30%. Now, it's not 100%, but still, that's a significant impact. You're decreasing the overall number of cases, which means less sick people. And then you're decreasing the risk of ending up in hospital by 30%. Now, we'd love that to go up, obviously. But still, this is a very clear effect, and it's working, and it's now being used in lots of different countries. Now, this journey to get to this vaccine began in 1987, can you believe it? Huge amount of effort, huge amount of failure, you know, trying to modify it in various ways. Finally, in 2009, and I know some of the people who discovered this, by the way. Imagine coming into work every morning, and it's failing all the time. Finally, you get to 2009, and they get the phase three trial, and they show these results, which was which was great. They reported in 2015, eventually, these one numbers, right? Um, and it's really great. And, and what, what the trial actually revealed as well was we now know the average number of infections per child. So a child in Africa can expect to get somewhere between 1.6 and 5.4 episodes of malaria as a child. So that means they keep recatching it, you know, and their immune system isn't really working. And they're sick through all these episodes, you know. <laughs> and again, the vaccine decreased the number of cases in that regard. Number of incidents of malaria in children was decreased, decreased, you see. And that was a great success story. Now, 67% um, of deaths, again, are, uh, overall are in children, hence my comment earlier, is mainly children who die. In Africa, it's 94% of cases are in Africa. And that's where this vaccine is now being deployed. Uh, and, and they're beginning to see now in the real world Less cases, less illness and less deaths from this GSK Moscarix vaccine. The other important fact is that given that this vaccine works, guess what? There's more vaccines coming up behind. They now know what to try and what to tweak, I suppose, and how to modify it in various ways. The adjuvant part's important, the um, monophosphorylipid A. 
That targets a thing called TLR4, which I worked on in my lab as a key on switch for the immune system, by the way. So MPLA can trigger that pathway. And QS21, again, that seems to help the immune system in various ways to work even better. So again, that was a bit of trial and error, it must be said. Although we knew these TLRs, my lab had worked on these for over 20 years, could be useful things to get going in the context of vaccines. And lo and behold, there it is being useful in the malaria vaccine, which is which is great to see, really. And again, very safe, as I often say, these vaccines have to be shown to be safe, especially in children, first and foremost, you know. And the overall cost-benefit is massively in favour of using this vaccine. Now, the other thing to say is um, Bill Gates Foundation got involved. They funded some of this research for GSK. They helped the development of it. Uh, they also have recently allowed the purchase of $170 million worth of vaccine. UNICEF led that. You may have heard of UNICEF, a very important um, arm of the UN. Uh, they bought all these doses with the help of the, the Gates. It's called PATH, P-A-T-H, is the entrepreneurial side of this, which Gates, the, the Gates Foundation has helped fund. And all that combination now means $170 million worth of vaccine is now available. And that now will be deployed in Africa mainly, remember, which is the main place we're going to see this. So again, a wonderful example, I think, of public-private partnership in a way. GSK did all the, the hard science behind this funded partly through philanthropy and then the ph philanthropic organisations especially PATH has now been giving UNICEF money to buy the vaccine supply to limit the damaging effects of, of malaria. Now we'd love the um, the overall uh, number of cases to go to zero wouldn't we? We'd love the number of hospitalisations to go to zero uh, ultimately you never know this might be possible with this vaccine uh, and uh, we'll, we'll follow on forms of the vaccine I guess is the way to think of it. So there's quite optimism now out there it's the beginning of the end for malaria and overall then what all of this tells us is if you combine robust public health measures and that means monitoring and helping people who are infected and treating them and using things like bed nets with insecticides to control the mosquito population that will help a lot of course it will and now if we have a vaccine as well the double punch means malaria will finally be on the run and imagine that instead of you know 500,000 children dying a year as happened some years it'll go to zero and those children will not die and those countries will benefit hugely because less sickness is happening in the countries and economically then those countries can develop fully and that, that's definitely now on the cards given these recent advances. And even if um, it's not just Africa that we're interested in, if we now see, as, as I just said earlier, of, of the incidence of malaria going up now in the US and being introduced within the US, we'll need these things even more, won't we, to help, help everybody really if malaria starts to spread in the US. A vaccine again, a vaccine campaign then and a public health campaign would help limit that there as well. So what we're learning from African and South American countries can now be deployed in the, in Europe. You never know, malaria might start up in Europe as well, uh, and also in the US, and benefit everybody. So the knock-on effect then to many populations will be very clear from these advances. So again, as I say, at last, I hope, anyway, malaria may ultimately become an infectious disease of the past that we needn't worry about anymore. All because of this great science and great public health measures. So there you have it, the science of malaria. And thanks as ever for listening. And of course, my podcast is available for download every Thursday. And it's a news talk production.